night out is December 10th from 6 to 9 p.m. Let your kids come stay with us for some Christmas-themed fun while you enjoy a night out. Registration is $10 for the first child and $5 for any additional in the same family. Space is limited. Register online at cschandler.com slash parentsnightout by December 7th. This is open to the community, so invite your friends and family. Second Saturday is our chance to serve and show our community the love of Christ. Join us at 8 a.m. in the Student Center, and we'll be back around noon. Cornerstone Cafe and Bookstore Winter Music Series, November 12th. Music from Ryan Axtown. Board Geeks. Your favorite drinks. Yes. Snacks. Yes, it's some early Christmas shopping at the bookstore. Hi, I'm Dave. I keep a list. Throughout the day, I keep track. The good things I do, and the not so good things. I want to make sure that at the end of this year, when it's all said and done, I've got what it takes. You never can be too careful. Worship is every time I put God in his right place. Worship is every time I say, no, 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 no. This is what God asked. This is what God required. I will give God his rightful place in my life. Every time I do that, that is worship. Mature people have answered that question in their lives. They understand that worship is ultimately putting God in his right place. 
It's why coming here on Sunday is worship, because what you and I say in that moment is, look, there's a hundred other options on any given Sunday morning, and I choose instead of those other options on the first day of the week that the first thing I'm going to do is honor you. There is no other option that's as important as you. So coming through those doors was an act of worship. It was putting God in his right place. We said it's, it's why when we sing together, it's worship. And, and not because the singing is, and not because hitting the notes is worshipful. It's worship because in that moment, you and I declare out loud and publicly what we believe about God. It's a statement that you and I need to say. And when we say it, we put God in his right place. Because what we say is, look, I don't care. I don't care who knows. I don't care who sees me. I don't care who I offend with my voice. I am going to declare who God is in my life. And that's why, guys, even if you're like me and you croak your way through worship, it is worship because you're putting God in his right place. We said for some of us, it's our finances. It's saying to God, look, there's nothing I could buy with this money that I love as much as you. I'll put you in your right place. For some of us, it's habits. We've had a lifelong dialogue with God, and, and, and God, we know God's been saying, hey, look, that habit doesn't honor me. It's a behavior that causes embarrassment for me. And if you were to put me in the right place, you would say, God, I love you more than I love my habit. And therefore, I will set aside that action. I'll stop because nothing else, nothing else will take the place of my God. Worship, putting God in his right place. Hi, I'm Chris Anna Moen. I recently joined a worship arts team here at Cornerstone. You are left unshaken. When I play, I really try to think about the words of the song. I think it's easy as a musician to just get lost in the notes and the chords and the music and where the song's going next. But I sing them out loud because I want to make those so real to me in that moment that I am also truly worshiping. I'm trained to think technically, so I'm thinking about what's happening in the video, what's happening with musicians. I know that God is in a place when I don't think about any of that, when my mind goes blank and it's just me and Him. And yeah, there's musicians on stage and there's people singing around me, but it's just me in deep, intimate relationship with my Father. You alone can rescue, you alone can save. The reason I love playing at church so much more is because it's not about me. And I think that's really the important thing with musicians playing on stage is it in church, in a church setting, is that it's not like going to a concert and watching people play. This is community. Sundays are people coming together and really being reminded of the bigger picture. Cornerstone was a breath of fresh air. For me, even just my first service at Cornerstone. And in the worship, I was able to go to a place where I felt like I was lost in God's presence. This is what I had hoped I would find in church. It's just encouraging to see that what's happening on stage is so similar to what happens behind the scenes. I, I love it here, and you know, I, I feel like I don't ever want to leave. I pray to the Lord, don't ever have me move if you can. <laughs> no, your will is bigger than mine. 
But I just would prefer to stay here the rest of my life, raise my kids here, and this is it for me. This is the church I want to be at. have said, I am committed to growing. I'm going to do something more than just Sunday. I get that it's not just coming to the purple chairs. I will take responsibility, and I will do something more that's going to put me in line to grow. I, I'm not going to sit back and hope I'm going to do something about growing. Mature Christians have committed themselves to the idea of growth. It's not a passive experience. It's not something that they do accidentally. It's, it's a commitment to grow. I know that there are some of us in this room who are going to go, Lynn, look, look, look. I've already heard this. I, I've already been, you know. And what you don't understand, Lynn, is that just me being at church is already a huge commitment. It, it, it's a big deal. I mean, if you knew my past and you knew my history, just being here has already been a huge commitment in my life. And when we get to the end of today, here's what I hope we all can say together. That if your and my commitment to growth is simply coming and being in these purple chairs, we won't get there. You and I cannot go far enough, fast enough, sitting in the purple chairs. It, it, it take, it'll, it'll, it'll take something more than that. And you and I need to commit to more than that. Hey, good morning. Um, if you haven't caught on yet, we're going back and, and really together unpacking the values that we committed ourselves to a few months ago that said, look, if you're going to be Cornerstone, if you're going to be in the room, you need to know this is where the room is going. This is where Cornerstone is going. And, and we said that is about we are going to begin to worship like we've never worshiped before. We're going to begin to grow like we've never grown before, and we're going to begin to serve like we've never served before. That's, that's what the journey looks like. That's who we are committed to becoming. So we're coming back today to do two things. One is, is just to kind of talk about maybe some of the things that uh, have kept us from maybe moving as far as quickly as we wanted to in that process, but the other is to celebrate the huge leaps and bounds that we've taken as a church in this thing and how far we have moved forward and how much better we are at this today than we were when we began the discussion a few months ago. So here's what we've done is right now we're going to kind of spend some time talking about this idea of growing uh, together and doing more than just the Purple Chair uh, experience. So I've got some people up here on stage with me who are vital parts of what we do to grow uh, around here. And so uh, this is Tom Stone, if you don't know, and Tom is in charge of our small groups ministry uh, here at the church. Uh, Michelle Rauscher, who is in charge of our women's ministries here at the church. Bob Rauscher, who's in charge of our men's ministries here at the church. And then uh, Steve Brown, who teaches one of our small churches. And on every Sunday, right on the other side of that wall, small churches go on every single hour. And uh, Steve is involved in doing that with us, one of our growth opportunities here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you guys some questions, because I think there's some myths about growing that we need to unpack together today uh, as we continue doing this journey. So here, here's my first question on the deal. I, I, think, I think the perception out there is, is that big churches don't really care about this maturity thing, that, that really big churches are all about just trying to fill some seats in the big room on Sunday morning, and, and the whole growing up maturity thing is kind of a second thought uh, in a big church. So 
help me with that one. I'll take that one. Um, what's funny is I think you could come to that idea, but, but the reality is the difference here at Cornerstone is we've, we've totally, totally gone against that. We've, we've said maturity is important enough that we're going to provide opportunities throughout the week for people to grow. And uh, I, I love it because I get to be a part of that. And, um, and so we do. We have small groups. We have women's ministry, men's ministry, small churches. Uh, and then we have the mine on Tuesday nights. And so we, we've provided opportunities all across. I mean, every day of the week, something's going on here. And, uh, and so the other thing is, I, I don't know anybody else doing that. So, so that may be the prevailing uh, idea out there. But I think here at Cornerstone, we've said, no, we're going against that, and we're, we're going to offer and something think, every day of the week. I think it's important for people here, especially at Cornerstone, to hear that, that we just aren't going to be satisfied not growing up. That, Absolutely. That's just not an option if you're yeah. going to be part of this place. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So here's, here's another one. I, I, I guarantee you there are people in the room right now who are going, look, I'm, I'm okay just doing my Sunday thing. I've I, the truth is, I'm growing a whole bunch. I know I am, and, and I'm going further than I, I've ever thought I would, and so the purple chair is enough for me. That, that's what they would say. What would you say to that? Uh, I'll take a crack at that. Okay. Then. Um, I think coming here on a weekly basis is really important, so I'd agree with that. Uh, I, I believe that being under God's teaching on a weekly basis is important. Worshiping God with other Christians is critical. But here's a question I would ask. How many times do you come in here and you hear something on the stage and you say, I'm not sure about that, or mm. I'd like to know more about that? There's a question in your mind. The small churches and the small groups are the place that you go to dig deeper and find out more what it truly means to what God's Word says about living a Christian life. And you do that in small churches. And I think we have small churches for no matter where you're at in life, we have small churches. One example, my wife and I, Patty, lead the After I Do Small Church, which is designed for newlyweds and, and young married couples. And there you have an opportunity for these young couples in their first few years of marriage when it's so difficult to live life together, to experience challenge, to, to experience joy together, and to mm -hmm. learn what it means to be a godly husband and a godly wife. That's what just more than being here on Sunday morning can mean at Cornerstone. Yeah, I think, I think that's huge for us to grasp because two things happen there that you just said out loud. I want us all to hear. One is you can't raise your hand in this room. You can't right. say, hey, Lynn, wait a minute, stop. I didn't get that. Could we do that one again? You can in the smaller setting. You can say, wait a minute. I, I don't think I've got that yet. Could we do that again? But I think the other part that's vital is you're doing this with young marrieds, which means sometimes some of the answers you unpack together look a little different. Completely the, the, different. The, the, it, it, but if I'm all of a sudden I have children, then it may look a little different again. Right. And if I have teenagers, it may look a little... So in those smaller settings, it suddenly becomes so much more applicable to my life. Absolutely. That's a big deal. It is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here, here's the next one. Next one is this. I, I'm, I'm worried that if I come to one of your growth opportunities, if I come to your room, it's going to be deeply uncomfortable for me. Because here's the deal. You're, you're going to tell me to turn in my Bible, and I don't even know where to turn in my Bible. And so everybody else is going to be turning there, and I'm going to look pretty dumb because I don't even, I don't know if that's Old Testament, New Testament. You're going to ask me to pray. You're going to say, would you pray out loud for this whole room? And I don't do that. I don't, I don't pray in front of people. I can pray in my shower when I'm by myself, but I don't pray in front of people, okay? And, and I'm just freaked out about being embarrassed in your groups, so who do that? I would take that. Okay. Well, I think that's a probably 
I bet people aren't thinking about that, but you have to realize we work hard to be a very safe place for people to figure out God in their life. I mean, when you come to our church, look how hard we work at making you feel right at home, right? We, we do that. It's the same thing with our growth groups and our small churches. We try to present an atmosphere where you can just come in as you are, the way you are, at the place in your spiritual walk that you are and get to enjoy that process. And so if you can't figure out where it is, we give you time to look in the index and find uh, Habakkuk, okay? Mm. So we, we let you do that. If you don't feel comfortable praying, then you don't have to do that. If you, um, if you don't want to be the one leading the group in Kumbaya, you don't have to do that, okay? <laughs> We're not going to make you do that. Uh, you, you don't have to reveal the worst thing you've ever done in your life. You don't have to say that to the group. These are safe places. Realize these are people just like you, people trying to figure out God for their life. How do you get what we've heard in here, how do you get it into your heart and life to the point that it starts to affect the way you, li you live and you talk and you act and you react? That's what those groups are for. And also you get to create some relationships that are huge. They could last you a lifetime. They're quality people, but they're people just like you just trying to figure out God in their life. I think, I think one of the things I thought was interesting, Tom, is that you've actually had groups for people who don't know Jesus yet. So those people don't have any idea, of course, where to go in the Bible, and probably not that great at praying at this point in their lives, and yet there's a place for them to be, ask their questions, go further. That's right. Lives. These groups are, are all over the place, no matter where you are in it. We have a thing called Alpha you can get in, involved in, which is specifically for people that are still asking the questions, <laughs> or they, they're not sure where they stand with Christ, or they're brand new, and they've just got gobs of questions. And that comes up in January. You can be a part of that. Okay, so these guys have hogged the mic. So, Michelle, you're going to yeah. do I'm going to let you have the last one here. Um, I, I think this is probably the one that probably hits more of us than any of the other ones, and that's simply this. I don't have time. I mean, I, I've, I've got kids I've got to take to soccer practice. I'm, my, at work, I'm doing extra. I mean, I, let's just be honest. I don't have time. And this, this idea of another hour in order to grow is highly inconvenient in my life. The only way I could do this is if I stopped doing something else. Why would I do that? Well, I think one of the most valuable things that we can do as we assess what our schedule looks like, I think it's the same as looking at your checkbook and where do I invest my money? Our time is a valuable commodity as well. And how am I going to invest my time? And what do I give up in order to grow? And I, I can't think of a more powerful example that we could give to our children of taking, giving up something to grow in our walk and we get the privilege of seeing people and their lives radically change it's been a great year watching people invest and say I'm gonna do this I'm gonna grow and the rewards that they've had they won't give that up now that they've experienced what growth looks like in their lives yeah I think one of the things too that gives we're so committed to this is we've tried to make it so that it can fit anybody's schedule Absolutely. right so tell us about that for Absolutely. a second there is something available every day of the week every night of the week there really is no excuse not to get involved because there is something that's going to fit your schedule. If you just take the time to explore and find the right community, the right um, day of the week that will work for you. We even have online if that's all you can do right now to get plugged in and get engaged and growing. Here's the part I'm proud about as a pastor of this church. We're better at this than we were seven, eight months ago. We're, we're, we're Cornerstone is getting better at this. Mm -hmm. and, and so that excites me. And then, but it also whets my appetite to say, so let's keep getting better. Let's get better than better at this. Yeah. And I just want to applaud you guys. Thank you for what you're doing to help us grow up.
as, a, as cornerstone. So thank you guys yeah. for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My name is Jason Rollsberg. Uh, we've been married just over four and a half years. My name is Michelle Van Allsburg, and we've been at Cornerstone for about three and a half years. When we got married, I wanted to be a part of a small group or um, a community to make new friends and meet new people. Jay really wasn't as interested. I was just happy going on Sunday morning and sitting there listening through the sermon and calling it a day. We got an email from our marriage mentors and they said that they were going to start or um, become the leaders of the a new young, young marriage class here at Cornerstone. I'm Steve Brown and this is my wife Patty and we are leaders of the After I Do, the first five years small church. After I Do is a uh, class for newlyweds and those that are After I Do. In the class, we obviously focus on the marriage relationship. So on Sunday mornings, we'll sort of rotate uh, back and forth. We'll do a series, it'll be a marriage series. Uh, we've done a number of different ones, but focusing on the marriage relationship and really helping these young couples understand what it means to have a godly marriage early on. I would say before the class, our marriage, we are just kind of going with the flow, doing the same thing day in, day out. Now we're a lot more focused on our marriage every day, and we're always working on improving it, and it's just a lot stronger. I was very happy and content with going on just Sunday, putting in my hour and calling it a day. I wasn't looking for more. Um, but now that i found more, I always thought it was going to be a lot of work and this huge time commitment and just a lot of effort every week. And it comes really easy. It's not a lot of time, but just a really good opportunity to meet new people, to grow with them, and to strengthen your relationship with each other and with God. It's living life together and together becoming more like Christ. Mature people serve. The mature people go, look, I get the talents and abilities, even the personality that God has given me. He did not give me for my own glory, for my own career path, so that I could make my way. He gave me my talents. He gave me my personality. He gave me my abilities to take ground for the kingdom. And that you and I are never more like our Savior than when we serve. Okay, so... Worship, grow, and now serve. And so tackling this idea of taking how God has made me, God has equipped me, and finding that place in the body to flesh that out, to live that out in my life. And uh, we brought on the stage, uh, this is uh, Lori Glaska. And, and Lori, you're in charge of really kind of the volunteer end of what we do here. So if there's someone who says, look, I, I would be willing to serve, I just don't know where to serve or how to serve, you're the one that helps them get in that place. Yes. And then Marty McIntyre, who's in charge of our missions. So that ends up showing up in service, not only uh, mission trips that are across water and into foreign lands, but also the, the things we're doing just to get outside the walls, to get off this campus. And so serving here in Chandler, serving at uh, the gospel mission downtown Phoenix, all of those, th anything that's outside our walls comes into what you're doing, right? Yeah, okay, right. so I've got some questions because we're, we're not sure how this works, okay? And so uh, if you could help us. So here, here's my first thing. I guarantee there are people who come on on any given Sunday and they go, look, uh, 
everything is so polished, everything is running smoothly in this place, everything except the children's hallways, and, uh, and you don't need me. Uh, this is a big church. You've got so many volunteers, and you don't need me uh, to serve anywhere. What would you say to that? Well, I would say that's not true. Big churches need a lot of help. The reason why it looks so polished is volunteers are doing it. You know, we've got really great, awesome, dedicated volunteers helping us polish off, polish off Sunday for us. And, you know, we minister to hundreds and hundreds of children every week. And we have thousands of cars that come onto our campus uh, with only maybe eight or nine volunteers trying to figure out where, you know, they're to park. In our student ministries, you know, we've got awesome uh, leaders there, but we need so many more. We had a waiting list of students waiting to get into small groups or D groups, as they call them, and uh, we didn't want to leave them on the waiting list, so we brought them off the list and into already existing D groups, making them much bigger than than we'd like them to be. Hmm. Okay, so I, I just want to be sure that we all got that 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 we've got discipleship groups here at the church. We had kids on waiting lists to go in and learn their Bible. And we didn't have leaders. Right. We didn't have anyone to do that with them. And so we ended up with a choice. We're either going to turn kids away who want to learn their Bible and say, look, you can't because there's no leaders. Or we took that waiting list and we dumped them into pre-existing groups. And now those groups have swelled. Right. They're, you know, they're not what they ought to because there's more kids in the room than there are chairs in the room. And that, that's how we're doing it. But the reality is there's, there's a waiting list of kids who want to be in groups. And right. we just don't have leaders right. to do that. All right, so here's, here's the next one. Um, big churches only care about themselves. They only care about doing the production on Sunday and the cameras on, and all they care about is the show and, and doing this, and, and they really don't care about anything out there and beyond themselves. What would you say to that, Marty? I would say that's a myth that we need to bust today. Yeah. Uh, we, as a church, several years ago, really felt that God was calling us to move outside of our four, four walls. Scripture makes it clear that we're to be to shine the light of Christ out into our community, to let our good deeds draw people towards Jesus Christ. So we do all kinds of things here. We have so many different opportunities from Second Saturday, which you saw a promo piece for that's coming up next Saturday. We're celebrating three years where we go out for half a day, the second Saturday of every month, and serve the community. There's literally been thousands of volunteers, thousands of hours serving. We go internationally. We go globally. Again, Scripture calls us to go beyond our four walls consistently. So if you want to go far and you want to go deep, think about Africa. Think about India, Peru, Belize, Mexico. We offer a lot of things, and it's all about serving outside the four walls of this church. You know, one of the things I... We've, we got a second Saturday thing, I mentioned that, and uh, we go all through Chandler. We're, we're, we go to things as simple as pulling weeds in parks to mowing lawns for widows, and uh, the reality is right now, Cornerstone's got a reputation in Chandler as a church that cares and a church that serves. So we're, we're getting this kind of done right now, right? We are getting it done, and this week would be a, a, has been a great example of that. Our, our children's ministry has collected literally hundreds of, of bags of groceries to give to the less fortunate in the Chandler area. You walked in the door, you saw probably we're going to have a, over a thousand gifts that we're going to distribute to people in the Chandler area through the Chandler Schools Migrant Program. So if we weren't here, 
I believe people would miss us. Hmm. So I think that's a huge question for a church to ask themselves is to say, if, if we weren't here, would the community even know that we were gone? And I think in the case of Cornerstone, people would know if we weren't here because we are ministering outside the four walls together. They would know. Okay. All right, so I think we scared some people a minute ago when we said, hey, we've got small groups that don't have leaders, and so then that was a Bible study venue of service. And so some of us in the room are going, all right, so that's my problem. I don't know my Bible well enough. I'm not spiritual enough to serve, okay? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I just can't do that. So what would you say to that? Well, I would tell them that uh, we have entry-level volunteer positions all the way up to leadership and teachers, and we have people who are serving in our church that aren't even Christians. They just serve side-by-side side along other Christians. So we've got jobs for people who don't know Jesus yet Yes, we, in our church. Yeah, you don't need to be overly spiritual. You just need to be willing. Okay, so where, where, if I didn't know Jesus, where could I serve? Um, you could maybe serve alongside someone in the cafe. You could be a greeter. You could work in our parking so the cars are coming down the parking lot, you don't know Jesus, and they flip you off, you can flip them back. All right? so, uh, no, no, He's no. not working on the parking team. <laughs> okay, all right, so, so here's, here, here, here's another one. I know, I know I have skills and abilities, I know I've got stuff to offer, and I know how that works in the secular world. Like maybe I'm really good with math or something, and, and, and I just don't know how, how in the world does what God has wired me to do, because I, I don't preach, I don't sing, how, how does that work in the church, and, and how do I figure that out if I don't know how to do that? Well, I'll answer that. Um, God has gifted each one of us with different skills and abilities to be used for the church. And maybe you tried serving in an area and it just wasn't a good fit for you. It's probably because you were serving in an area that you weren't meant to serve. Uh, but when you figure out how God has wired you and gifted you and start serving in that area, you're going to come alive. And we've got a class called Discovering Your Gifts that will help you figure that out. Okay. So in other words, if, if I'm sitting here today and I say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, but I have no idea, you'll help me. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so here's the last one, because this, this is the one we talked about at the last time, last interview we were just out, but this is the one I think that comes back, and this is, this is the one that I think we all hear over and over again. I don't have time. I, I don't have time to serve, and, and I'm already booked up, and now, you're, now, you're, now here you are again asking me for something else that has a time commitment. What would you say? I would say that I know everyone in this room lives busy, hectic, probably overcommitted lives. Uh, I, I think that Scripture tells us that we're saved to serve. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And from, from the standpoint of missions, ministry, outreach, you don't have to take a ton of time. You can come to Second Saturday. It's four hours. You don't even have to come to every Second Saturday. I kind of think after you go to one, you might want to go to others. You want to go internationally? You want to go cross-culturally? Go to Mexico. We go down there several times a year, and it's a, a couple of days. It's not a long-term commitment. You want a long-term commitment? Come with us. Go to Africa. Go to India. Go to Belize. Go to Peru. You can take that much time, but it doesn't have to be that. So I, I'm not even sure. I, I could, like, second Saturday, I could come serve one Saturday. Uh, I could come from 8 to 12 one Saturday, and I could just not, I mean, that could be my one service thing for the whole year if I decided that, right? And, but at least I served. I got a taste of serving. 
you could definitely do that. You could come to one of our outreach events where backpacks, we give out backpacks in the summer. It's a couple hours maybe. Uh, we're, go we're gonna be giving out those gifts uh, to the, the Chandler migrant program here in a couple of weeks. It's a couple of hours. Okay, so that's the mission guy. How, how easy is it to serve in the big room? We'll make it very easy for you. Uh, you could come early to the service and serve as a greeter and usher. Some of those positions only require 15 or 20 minutes of your time. You can go home with your family afterwards. We can help you find a place to serve for as much time as you have to give. Okay, real, real quick, let me, you could, on how many people at Cornerstone, if you, and I didn't even ask you this last hour, but how many people, if you were just guessing, how many people at Cornerstone do you think actually serve in some capacity, some rotation? How many people at Cornerstone, if you were trying to add them together between the two, what would you come up with? How many do you think? What do you think? Well, I know on the mission side that over the course of a year and second Saturday, we'll send out maybe 1,500 people over the course of the year. Short-term missions trips, probably a couple of hundred. Lori, how many, how many do you think are serving? Uh, well, I, I know that we have um, documented that there's a little over a thousand people that serve in uh, about a week's time. So and many people don't serve so, every week. So we're week. talking so 2,500 plus people already serving. So we're doing pretty good at this. We're getting there. How much, how much better would we be if everybody served? Our small groups would be small. <laughs> you know, we'd, yeah. we'd be, I mean, there's so many volunteers doing so much right now. Some of them serve many, many hours on a Sunday, if we could break that up a little bit. And it's almost like um, if you're not serving the hand, you know, we're missing a hand or we're missing a foot, we're missing an eye. We really do um, need everybody to participate. Guys, in the thank you. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for helping to lead us in this area to get better at this. And, and just blessings to you. Thank you much. I'm Kim Shuck. I've been going to Cornerstone for 13, 14 years. I had always wanted to be, um, to do missions work, but I always talked about it in a futuristic tense, you know, someday I'll do this. The opportunity came for me to join the mission board and I joined the mission board. There's something that really gets me, my juices flowing, if you will, gets me going about getting other people excited about mission work. It was something that, that Kim was doing, but uh, I have to uh, admit that, you know, the idea of going and serving around the world, um, initially my attitude was it's a great way to take a Christian vacation. Uh, there was a comedy night here at Cornerstone, and I uh, attended, and that during the monologue that he was giving, um, he mentioned the issue of homelessness, and as bad as it was to have to face something like that in this country, that uh, even the most derelict of homeless have access to clean drinking water. And for me, that was when the light bulb went on. We later took a short-term mission trip to Tijuana together and then had the opportunity to go to Peru and see firsthand what uh, those people were enduring following the earthquake there. People literally, you know, living in, in cardboard homes. I mean, it just was appalling, really. These are families that can't care for their children because their home is destroyed because of an earthquake. And unlike in this country, they don't have homeowner's insurance. There's nobody rebuilding their house. They have to, they're already dirt poor and they have to figure out how to rebuild their home as well. It certainly changes your perspective on this is a reality that we don't experience here. You can't 
go on one of these trips and not experience God speaking to you in a way that, again, is will change your life. Serving is really where we have to be if we're going to experience a relationship with God. I feel like now I'm closer to God and walking in line with God's will for my life uh, more than I was even just three years ago. And it's amazing how quickly you can change in three years. I would challenge anyone who is looking to grow in their relationship with God um, to begin serving. I just feel that that is where God's heart is and that's where we encounter God. Um, and that's how we become the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you've been in the room any length of time at all, then, then you know that probably, what, eight, nine months ago, we made this commitment together, and we just said, look, we're going to begin to do these three things better than we currently do. As a matter of fact, to be us, to be on the journey with us, then you're gonna, there's going to be a commitment to these things together. And, and we just said, look, we're going to worship better than we've ever worshiped before. We're going to grow more than we've ever grown before, and we're going to serve at a level that we've never uh, served before. And here's the thing, and, and you've heard us, I think, all day long uh, come back and come back to this. We get it. We get, we get that you can't make that commitment. You can't make that decision and not face some inconvenience. I mean, that, that's just a reality. You, you and I will have to reprioritize our lives. We'll have to decide this and decide to it doesn't fit my schedule, and, it, and it's not convenient to do these things, and I've just decided I'm going to do that. I'm going to push through those hindrances anyways. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this because uh, it won't happen accidentally. And the reality is simply this. Uh, maturity has never been convenient. Uh, growing up in Jesus and being a committed Christ follower never just happens. It always takes a reprioritizing, a reassessing of our lives. Matter of fact, uh, there's a passage in Philippians chapter 3 uh, where Paul is talking about, I think, this very thing. And let me read this to you because he describes what it means to get serious about this journey. Uh, here's what he says. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. And that word perfect there just means complete or mature. Uh, but I, ready, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He says, look, I, the reason Jesus saved me was so that I would grow up in my faith and look like him. Hey, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Isn't it interesting that in this discussion about maturity, twice Paul says, here's what it took. It took pressing on. It took saying, look, I know there's excuses. I know there's reasons not to. I know there's hindrance. And I, I decided to press through the excuses. I decided not to let that stop me from doing what I needed to do. Years ago, I was taking a group of kids uh, from a youth group in Texas 
snow skiing. Uh, the youth group was in uh, Dallas, and there's not a lot of skiing opportunity in Dallas. So the closest place we could go was Red River, uh, New Mexico. So picture this. Dallas is on the east side of Texas. Red River, New Mexico is on the west side of New Mexico. So pretty big commitment, pretty long drive to get these kids there. They had never skied before in their lives. They were excited out of their minds, and here we go. We got about 40 miles from Red River. And there came a blizzard that I have never seen the likes of before. I mean, wind that had to be 50, 60 miles an hour and snow coming down just in sheet. I mean, I've, I've never seen anything like it. And so here we are about 40 miles out and suddenly there's highway patrol cars blocking the road. They stop our bus and they say, look, uh, the road is closed. Uh, you'll have to turn around. And I looked at the highway patrol officer and I said, if I go on, are you going to arrest me? Because that's what you ask the highway patrol officer when you're 25 years old and a youth pastor. <laughs> and he said, no, I, I, I wouldn't arrest you, but you'll never make it. I said, okay, because I'm not disappointing. The, I'm, we're going. And so we began to drive this bus the last 40 miles. Here's the problem. Dirt road, flat area, ditch on the right ditch on the left. And by now it has snowed so much that you can't see the ditch on the right or the ditch on the left. So I've got a youth sponsor looking over the shoulder of the driver on the left-hand side, and I've got a youth sponsor looking out the window on the bus on the right-hand side because the driver is sitting too high to see that just on the ditch there's this tiny little crest. And so as the bus would get too close to the ditch, the Sponsor on this side would say, left, 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 left. And then we'd get over here and the sponsor would say, no, 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 right, right, right. 40 miles. Because that's what you do when you're 25 years old and you've passed. <laughs> we get to this one spot and uh, we can't see the crest anymore. And so I had one of the sponsors go out of the bus and try to see if, if they could see. And as they stepped from around the bus, the wind literally blew them over. They fell on their back and slided across the road. It just so happened that they slid into the ditch. And as they began to get up, they felt the handle of a car door. The car had gone into the ditch and become completely buried. Turned out there were four people inside. We brought the four people uh, onto the bus and kept going. Because <laughs> that's what you do when you're 25 years old and you, you press on. Got a little further on down the road, and, and there just happened to be an antenna sticking up out of the snow with a, uh, a piece of women's apparel, usually used at nighttime, hanging from the antenna, and all sorts of suitcases out in the snow. And uh, sure enough, we dug down. There was another car. They'd thrown all their luggage out. Gladly, they'd saved the beer and kept that inside. So <laughs> priorities. And so we rescued those people. Come morning, we crest the hill at Red River. You have never seen the sight. The blizzard was done. The snow was done. Two feet of brand new snow. And nobody else had pressed through. And we literally had the mountain to ourselves. Hey, guys, somewhere, somewhere you and I will have to decide, do you press on? Somewhere, maybe you and I will have to be as dumb as a 25-year-old youth pastor. 
and just say, you know what, this whole thing about worshiping and growing and serving is worth the inconvenience. And, and there are. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be highway patrolmen who stop on the side and say, this is dumb. You don't have time in your schedule, and you can't possibly fit it, and you might be embarrassed if you go in. The, there, there will be. And you and I will have to decide to press on. Make it happen. And here's the cool part about this story, guys. You and I are better at this today than we were at it nine months ago. You, you and I are better at worshiping than we were. We are better at serving. We're better at growing. But we need to press on. Some of us that haven't quite got, we need to get it done. So that's just what we're going to pray. We're going to say, God, would you make us better than we were before? And for some of us, as we head out on the patio today, it will be the moment to stop for the first time at the booth and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to press on in my life. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just simply come to you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you. Thank you that Cornerstone is better at worship, better at growing, better at serving than we've ever been before. But here's what we know. <laughs> We're not done. And I'm just going to ask that today we'd get better yet, and that some of us who have stopped at the roadblock and we've turned back because it wasn't convenient, would press on. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.